podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. When I spit bars in a Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks and on top of that we'll get your show pushed out to apple spotify google stitcher and all other listening platforms and the best part is you can get all of this for only 15 dollars a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup so whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com forward slash join. When I spit bars in a man, I go hard Hello and welcome to another episode of Touchline Fracker. I am joined by a bunch of merry men. Well, not really. I'm the only one who's team one today, but it does feel like a loss. But I'm going to go around and introduce them anyway. Uh, I'll start with you, Dan Coogs. How are you doing, brother? Yeah, I'm all right, man. We're, we're, we're plodding along. We're plodding along. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a word for it, man. Uh, Meads, how's it going, man? I'm cool, bro. Can't complain, man. Good, 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 good. Uh, tops. I, yeah, I, I spoke to you earlier on the Discord, so I know where your head's at. But yeah, yeah for, the, for the listeners who may not know, I'm good, brother. Can't complain, man. You know me. Yeah, yeah. You can complain though. I mean, you will. You will. Do. <laughs> will. As, as, will. as we get oh, into it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I will. And Jules, how you doing, Julian? You good, yeah? Ah, uh, man. Um, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not. Happy. It's not happy. It's not happy. <laughs> it's mad. I feel like your, your wisdom. Your wisdom has gone through the roof. This season has turned you from like. Young, impressionable, arrogant, to about that like, deep, humble. Like you really, think, you really think when you tweet now. You really think when you tweet now. It's, it's, it's... <laughs> you know you're riding a the wave there. You're just high on that. Everything's just sweet, and then crashing down with the peasants. You have time to just look yeah, up. really take really take scope of where you're at in life, man. Yeah. I, I love to see it, man. That's I can't lie to you. Back in the day, you're like you are shit. I had to eat yeah. those tweets. 
actually done episodes of Coppin. Now you're more humble. Yeah, we need to improve, you know. This needs to get better. FSG that, Salah this, Mane that. This is a man. You've you've gone you've gone uh, you've gone 180, brother. And I, and I love to see it, man. It's lovely, I swear to God. Mariah, I feel like with Jules, yeah, it's like he was riding the wave and riding the high of those W's, you know, those injections. And that's it. He he found that as normal. And now reality is struck. It's delicious. I love it. This is welcome to welcome to the gutter. Welcome to the gutter. Before that's what's crazy. Like, but it's like I forgot what it was like. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was a few it was a few good years, man. To be honest with you, so we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Um, I'm gonna start with the uh, big game today, Dan. Uh, A one nil loss to Manchester City uh, for your Arsenal boys. Uh, Let's get into it. So your thoughts uh, before the game coming off the 1-1 draw with Benfica uh, and then your thoughts on the performance? Yeah, I guess um, I wasn't too pleased with the the performance and result um, at Benfica. So I didn't really come into this game with with high expectations. And then as soon as I see the starting lineup, um, I knew it was going to be an L personally. Um, Rob Holding, Pablo Murray, um, Mohamed Elneny, probably three players that I feel have no business even being at my football club, let alone, you know, starting matches. So as soon as I saw them on the, on the, on the team sheet, you know, it was, uh, it was looking, it was looking long. Uh, one minute in or one minute 30 in, you know, Rob Holding's losing header to Raheem Sterling at the back post, Bellerin staring at him with his, you know, his high shorts, uh, high shorts pulled up, you know, just, just staring. And I'm just thinking there, like, it's like, well, it's going to be a long day. Um, to be fair and to give credit to to, to the guys, um, I think they, they stayed competitive and, and kept the scoreline respectable. But um, I'm not one of these fans who says, you know, uh, if you'd have given me one nil at the start, I'd have taken it, this, that and the other. Because I feel like, you know, I don't really like that mentality. Um, I feel like there was, you know, there were chances to get at City today. And I feel like if, if the Man City players were in the positions that we got into, um, they would have punished us. And I feel like, you know, this team, it just lacks quality all over the pitch. Um, I feel like the manager, he needs to, you know, take a good look at some of these players that he keeps picking, you know. Um, Mohamed Elneny has been, you know, on the, I guess, the transfer list for the past three summers since he's joined the club. And yet he's starting games, you know, with the number four on his back or whatever question, number he's got. On, on Elneny, Jack uh, there. Why do you think he started over Ceballos today? Um, I don't know. It's a funny one because Arteta said there was a few players that, you know, um, struggled to recover after the game against Benfica. So it might be down to a lack of, you know, fitness for Ceballos. He's just come back from injury. Um, and maybe two games in a week might have been too much for him. Um, but I feel like some sometimes uh, Ceballos tends to slow the game down. Um, people say he was one of our better performers against Benfica. I'm not going to dispute that, but I feel like he was also part of the reason why we weren't able to put that game um, to bed just with his speed of play. So I guess when you're playing against Man City, you know they're going to press. You maybe want someone like Elneny who can play at one-two touch. But I feel like when you do play play someone like Elneny, you lose that forward thrust that you might get from a Sabahis or from a party. So, you know, I think in the first half, Elneny, he was 100% past completion but he only passed to Odegaard three times, you know? So really what, what are you give, what are you getting there when you're playing someone like him, right? Well, yes, he's, he's good ball retention, like top, 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 but you know, ball progression is, is nowhere. The ball goes into him, the attacks die. 
it goes back to the defenders. So it's a yeah, it's a tough it's a tough life, man. As an Arsenal fan at the moment. Cool, man. Um, to open it up to the re- the rest of the guys, those of you who may or may not have watched Arsenal. So Odegaard, this was my first time seeing him start today. Obviously, he's coming with a big reputation from Spain, wonder kid and whatnot. Um, what were the thoughts on his his performance today, and what are you looking to see from him in the Arsenal team, um, Dan, going forward? Uh, me, yeah? Um, yeah. I think, yeah, today was a tough game for him. He didn't really see much of the ball. I think the, both Xhaka and Elneny struggled to find him. But I feel like he does have um, a lot of quality on, on the ball, man. Like he's, In the game against Benfica, when he did get on the ball, he was putting in some very, very nice passes in behind the defence. And I feel like he does have that pass that can unlock a defence. I think he's a good ball carrier as well. Um, I'm not sure whether he's got, you know, sort of the physique to handle the the Premier League. And I feel today he was he was brushed off the ball a few times. So um I I personally feel like he, he can add something, but you know, he might he might need a couple more games to sort of get up to the speed of thing. But you know, Man City's not an easy place, he's not an easy team to 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 face at the moment in the form that they're in. So I'm not really gonna, you know, count today um uh, against him too much. Cool. Uh, Jules, you watched the game um, with that uh, City. They're now uh, 10 points clear at the top of the table um, with 59 points. Uh, For me, they didn't seem to have to actually go out of first gear. Um, But despite that, what what did you think of their performance today? Uh, They started off really well, actually. Um, They started off really, really well. They started off, obviously, of course, they scored scored in the first three minutes. Um, started, Started in control of the game. Um, but uh, after that, they actually kind of took their foot off the gas a bit. I don't know if they were, they kind of knew um, Arsenal wouldn't huff as huff and puff um, and cause them any issues, um, which was, I kind of wanted to see a, after after the first goal, I kind of wanted to see a battering, but that didn't come. Um, City, you know, they, they tried to, you know, from their, their midfield, by the way, so much quality in that midfield for them to play with no number nine and still have some, somewhat of, somewhat of a lot of control in the game. Um, I feel like Arsenal had moments um, in, in to you know in in their in the in the in City's half. I feel like after the goal, Tierney kind of picked up picked up the pace a bit. Um, Mahrez was giving them a torrid torrid first like 10, 15 minutes, um, but then Tierney um, was really able to get forward. Um, one person that I actually thought done decent today was um, Nicolas Pepe. He was getting on the ball a lot, getting in some getting in some attacking positions, which was quite impressive. But yeah, again, Arsenal were just not clinical. Um, uh, Bomian being up front. Over the, over the last this season has been he's been quite poor, um. So he but he wasn't even able to get a chance. He wasn't able to get a chance in and able to get a shot on. But yeah, um, it was quite a it was quite a not a lackluster game, but it was quite a game where City just didn't have more than what they just didn't have that that edge. No real urgency in it, and no and, yeah. and it's kind. Of, I guess you've got to be disappointed if you're an Arsenal fan, like Dan said, because um, I saw a couple of clips going. Going viral on the touchline, you know, uh, Vinicius, his celebration against Marine. Uh, that apparently that's how Arsenal were celebrating for only losing one nil to Manchester City. Um, at, at this point of the season, so it's what twenty five games we've played now. Uh, you guys are tenth with thirty four points. Spurs are ahead of you, two points ahead with a game in hand. Villa two points ahead uh, with two games in hand. Meads, uh, if you're an Arsenal fan, what are your expectations uh, for the rest of the season? And with eleven losses in this season now under Arteta, do serious fingers have to be pointed under his stewardship? I, I mean, look, I recall uh, a week or two ago, I said to Dan, I said, Dan, look, 
it's not inconceivable that you don't finish in the bottom half. And he was, he was apoplectic. He was furious. He's like, no, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, look, it's not beyond you guys. Because just looking at the, tra- the trajectory of Arsenal, looking at the, the results that you've been getting, it, it's not beyond you guys. And you guys literally aren't playing well. You're not getting the results. Aubameyang's not actually scoring that many goals. I mean, he picked up over the last couple of weeks. He's got a couple. But you're overly reliant on him. And when you've got an inconsistent Aubameyang, and of course, um, Saka as well. But don't... I just don't see where Arsenal are going to be picking up these uh, consistent run of victories that they need to... Uh, which is funny. I'm saying need to get and finish in the top half, which is mad. It's actually mad. Now, I just look at all the teams above them, and I think arguably they're better than them. At this moment in time, I think they're actually arguably better than them. I don't think you could really say that Arsenal are better than Tottenham, better than Villa, better than Everton, better than Liverpool, better than... Chelsea. I just don't see they're better than, than all of those teams. And you can argue that Wolves, Leeds are better. It's just a... I don't know, man. It's it's a mess, and I love it personally. I love it. I can't lie to you. I love it, but it's just a, it's a complete mess, and it just shows highlights how bad Arteta is as a coach. Because I don't think if you look at the, the 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 group of players that they have, whilst it's not an amazing team, whilst it's not a, um, a, a I'd say a top six, not even like top top four quality, but I think. A better manager will get better results out of uh, out of those players. I, I don't think. I, I think a lot of the, the the buck falls upon Arteta, in my opinion. Not necessarily just the players, because the players have been underperforming under previous coaches, previous management, under Wenger, under um, uh, completely forget Emery's under Emery. So they've underperformed, and but they've never been this bad. Never ever ever been this bad, and. I don't know. I don't. I want to throw that question back to Dan. I guess where would you think? Where do you think you're going to finish? And and do you disagree with what I've said in regards to the number of teams that I think are better than you? Yeah, it's a it's a difficult one. Um, I, I, we're definitely going to finish um, in the top half. Um, there's no doubts about that for me. I still think that's um, a, a bit of an exaggeration, personally, especially if you're looking at. Um, our recent performances. I think you said, yeah, we're not we're not playing well, this, that, and the other. But um, I don't actually agree. Um, I think if you look at if you look at the performances since December, um, I don't think we've really played badly um, in in many of those games at all. Really, um, you can look at the results. You can look at the results that we've got. I think the Wolves game. You know, people talk about the refereeing decisions. You don't need to go, don't need to go back over that. But we didn't get the three points. Aston Villa mistake in the first uh, first minute. We didn't get the three points. But um, if I'm looking at process over results, right? I think the team is actually moving in the right direction. Um, Just to cut you, sorry to cut you there, but I, I know I didn't. I don't think I really made a point in regards to um, it necessarily being about performance. I don't think you really performed that well or or badly, but. I'm saying that I don't really envision and see where you're going to be picking up these points that you need, basically. You get what I'm trying to say? So I look at, you've got the leads, leads around you. I think leads of what? They're a couple of points behind you. They've got a game in hand. Wolves are one point behind you. Um, Tottenham obviously got a game in hand on you. Villa got a couple of games in hand on you. Everton as well. Um, I, this is what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say that, yeah, you're definitely going to finish in the bottom half, but I just don't think it's inconceivable. I think it's very possible. 
considering all of those above you. I mean, you've lost more games than all of the teams in the top half. Yeah, that's yeah. And then if you look at Spurs, who you say you, they've got a game in hand on us, they've lost five of their last six. I so, agree. so, so, and and then you look at Villa, they've won two of their last eight games. So, all these games, games in hands and stuff like one that. One against you, one against you. Yeah, one against us. Yeah, fine, fair enough. But again, I don't think that we performed badly on that game in that game, right? So, I, as I said, if I'm looking at process over results right now, if we carry on playing in the way that we have been playing, I expect us to pick up points. Um, if that makes sense. So, yes, I think, you know, overall, the course of the season, yes, I 100% agree with you. And right now, I feel we're paying for our October to November form because how we're playing right now is no different to how any of the teams above us are performing. Everyone above us are, is dropping points the same way. No one is pulling together, um, you know, free, uh, free wins on the spin other than Man City. Right. So if I'm looking at it oh, from here to the end of the season, I can see us finishing anywhere from sixth right the way down to 10th. We might stay in the same position. We might drop into the bottom half. But I think what we're paying for paying for at the moment is the fact that we went eight games without a win. Not our current form, if that makes can sense. I, yeah. So can I ask you, um, how, how many games have you lost? So what was it? So you said from September to was it October or September to November? You lost how many games did you lose in that period? We lost uh we lost eight of in ten games, I think. Eight in ten? Nah. Yeah. It was no. eight, yeah. I think it was it was something like that. We didn't win for two months. What? <laughs> Bro, we lost it, it was it was nuts. It was nuts. Yo, I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> December, December, <laughs> December December 26th was our first win. Since we beat United on the first of November, the, the right. math is the math is mathing because you got eleven losses. You lost to City today. Uh, you lost to Villa. Uh, a few you lost to Wolves, and then you lost to Wolves. So those were your ninth, tenth, eleven losses. Um, and the, the last game you lost before that was the two-one against Everton on the nineteenth of, uh, of December. December. Yeah. yeah. So the math is mathing there. Um, there's quite a few wins in there as well. Um, we'll see. We'll we'll see how it goes. Mm. You, you need your players back. You need Partey back. Um, he's been injured more in this season than he's been in the last six, seven his years entire career, bro. Of, of, his, of, of his career combined. That's a, that's a question mark about your medical department. Kieran Tierney, um, quite a few injuries as well. Best left back in the league, well, according to some. No one um, said that. Why did Arteta play Saka on the left and uh, Pepe on the right when um, it seems like their best form this season has come in the reverse roles? Right? What do you think you're trying to get at there? Do you know what? I think, I think that was actually... Um quite a good move from him today. I think he tried to keep um, Cancelo pinned back as much as possible because I think Saka's our best attacker, whether he plays on the left or right. And I think um, Cancelo's been a major weapon for City. So um, I actually understand why he did that because the uh, attacking potential of Tierney and Saka on the same side, I think is quite high. And we it, they they were able to you know sort of pin Cancelo back today and stop him from really um, breaking into that midfield um, as much as he has in recent weeks. So I think that was a major reason why he did that. But um, I think uh, because he done that, you know Pepe and Bellerin they don't have any sort of relationship whatsoever. Um, they played today like you know it's the first time they'd ever set foot on the pitch together, man. Like they barely passed to each other. I think Bellerin doesn't really understand the spaces Pepe wants to get into and Pepe doesn't really understand what he wants to do with the football when he gets it. So um, it was just a bit of a shambles on the right-hand side. So I feel we did pay for not having Saka there. But, you know, I think I understand why Arteta swapped them around. You understand what you're trying to do? Do you think it yeah. worked? Um, 
not really. We didn't score a goal in it, so mm. um, so no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is a shame. It is a shame. Um, from the clips that I did see, Pepe did look all right. I wouldn't say threatening per se, but I think that Pepe's form this season, um, I guess when he's been given the opportunity, he's looked a lot better than last season. That's not saying much. I'm not saying that he's a fantastic player or anything, but he definitely looked a, a more improved player than he did last season. I think that generally stems from the fact that, it has, well, okay, let me, let me correct this. I think on the right, he's still absolutely pony. On the left, I think that narrows down his options to do a lot of madness. So that's why he looks a lot more better. He looks a lot better because he, I think he's a lot more incisive and his decision-making ten- tends to be slightly better when he's playing on the left than it is on the right. I think on the right, he's got too much of a big picture and then he starts doing a complete fuckery. Um, on the left, he's a little bit, a little bit more decisive. Um, but also, that doesn't say much. Also, I was going to ask that. Um, what do you think the thinking was behind playing El Nenny and Xhaka pivot? Because I thought that was just the... I think. Also, the thinking behind Pablo Mari starting over Gabriel. So, if you could answer Mead's question, then Julian's question. Um, what was, 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 was Mead's question again? Sorry. Well, um, Sac, I mean, Pepe playing on the left, you, you get a better version of Pepe, surely. Um, do you think that's generally because he, the picture is smaller for him and he, he doesn't have to, well, doesn't feel like he has to try and do everything? On the, on the right, I think he just does too much. He's forced it too much. I feel like is your, um, is your eye all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm 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 tired. I'm tired. It's, oh, okay, it's, cool. It's been a long day, man. Um, <laughs> you see, you see uh, with Pepe, I think he's more of an inside forward than a winger, like a, a a true true winger, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I feel when he plays on the left, um, whoever's playing the fullback, they sort of force him inside. Whereas mm-hmm. when he's on the right, Bellerin likes to go inside. He makes that inside run rather than the overlap. And you find Pep, Pepe finds himself on on the wing. And I feel like Bellerin is, like, as dead as he is, like, I don't rate him at all. I think he's got quite a big personality uh, when he's playing right back, right? So he forces his game onto whoever's playing in the right wing. I feel like Saka, when he plays there, he um, has a big, a bigger personality than Bellerin, right? And he forces himself inside. Um, and Pepe doesn't, he just doesn't have the personality to, to force himself into the game. So... Mm. He, he sort of takes a back seat to whatever Bellerin wants to do, and that doesn't really suit him. Whereas when he's on the left, I feel like he gets more um, license to sort of play his own game, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he finds himself inside to receive the ball inside the box a lot more than when he plays on the right with Bellerin, um, firstly. And then uh, the second question was... Uh, Shaka uh, El Neni. Shaka El Neni double pivot. El Neni double pivot. I put an Instagram post up uh, when the match was kicking off, being like, you know, I'm about to see the Haram in HD in it. Yeah, because, <laughs> you know, I don't know what, like, the thing is, I, I don't know what El Neni is good at. Yeah. All he does is run about. He just, he just runs about. He doesn't tackle. He doesn't pass forward. He doesn't even intercept. He doesn't harry. He doesn't win fouls. Right, he's just there. He's rubbish. I don't know what his purpose is on the football pitch. I don't rate the guy, and I feel like Shaka is Shaka. We've seen him for years. We know what you you know what you're gonna get with him. You know, sometimes he plays okay, sometimes he plays like shit. I think today was one of his okay games. Um, nothing really to shout home about. But yeah, El Nenny, he's a nothing player, man. I need him out of my club. Um, and then the final question: Holding and Mary, yeah, Pablo Mary over Gabriel. I, I don't know, man. I actually don't know. Um, I feel like one thing that Pablo Mari does, I think that none of our other centre-backs 
um, do really is keep the line quite high. Um, but I didn't really see too much of that today. We were, you know, camped in our box uh, whenever City had the ball. So um, I don't know, maybe they thought they were good in the air, but Sterling scored a header in the first minute. So, you know, I, I, I generally, I don't get the logic of it. You know, I, I might go back to the, the first point about Arteta saying some, some players didn't recover fully, but I've never known a manager to s change both centre-backs out um, for uh, a Premier League game before, so it, I, I guess there was something something up with that. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. The prosecution rests. Um, <laughs> um, we we trying to get into, brother? Are you trying to get into? Uh, yeah, man. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a two uh, one, uh, one loss today, London yeah, derby man. to to West Ham. Um, yeah, I was with you on the Discord, so I know how you felt. Um, yeah, man. But I, I want you to break it break it down for our listeners. Break it down for these guys. Yes, obviously. Um, West Ham on, on a bit of a decent run this season uh, I think going into the game uh, fourth uh, we started I think at seventh um, London derby at the Hammers uh, we always knew it was going to be a difficult one um, we're not in an amazing run of form uh, we had up to that point won, uh, lost four out of the last five um, with only wins against uh, West Brom at home and then we won in the, in the Europa League against Wolfsburger, whoever the fuck they are. But um, obviously, going to these games, I'm never particularly, I'm never particularly confident, purely because probably for a good part of two years away from home, we've not been a very strong side, if, if we're going to be really honest. Um, but going to this game, I mean, there was no reason for me not to be confident. I felt like the starting lineup was probably what is I expected yeah, it to be. Yeah, sorry, sorry, again, to interject. Why? Because I was trying to get it out of you and Tottenham Tobias. He's not on the pod today, but he's yeah. a member of Touchline Hotspurs. Check that out. Yeah, brother. Touchline Media Group. Um, you were both pretty confident going into this game. I just couldn't understand why, based on basically what you spelled out for me there. Well, the, previous the reason... Form, the reason, our, our West the reason let me finish, felt... let me finish. Let, let me finish. Um, so your previous form and how yeah. West Ham tend to play against you, um, I couldn't quite get my head around why you were confident. So, yeah, if you could explain that, that would be great. Well, more confident purely because whilst, yes, taking into West Ham's form and taking into account our form, our last, our last previous three games against West Ham have been, whilst they haven't been amazing, they've been somewhat positive. And it kind of gave me indication that we could probably go into it and take the moments that, that come to us. Uh, but today was obviously not the case. Um, we went into the game... First four minutes, um, an Antonio goal, uh, which in my opinion was pretty. Who's, dance to blame for, who's to blame for that goal? In my opinion, I think it is on the immediate side. It's the two defenders that were involved, so uh, Tanganga and um, Dyer. The reason I say so is purely because I think first of all, for my centre backs, I want them to be completely decisive. I want them to be dominant. I want them to, to have no hesitancy in clearing anything that comes to them. And for another time I've seen this season, a number of times I've seen, especially from Eric Dyer, when the ball comes into the six-yard box, there's this somewhat this hesitancy to not want to immediately attack the ball. What I find so interesting is that on the other side of the game, Diop for West Ham provided an absolute clinic in terms of the way he got them defending any ball that came into the six-yard area, into the box. So, obviously, balls come from the left. I think it was from Jared Bowen. It passes in front of Dyer, who I think should try and clear it. Tanganga, obviously, is with Antonio. It bounces to Hugo. 
the ball sort of wiggles free and then Antonio has a has a free shot into the net. So again, I can probably put that down to another individual error. I think in the general scheme, maybe I would give a bit of I'll give I'll give a bit of stick to Hugo for not maybe commanding the box enough, um, communicating with the defenders enough um, in order to get get rid of that ball. But again, my my first my first thought is if you're centre half, anything that comes in your direction in the six yard box. You are putting your foot through it. You're putting your head through it. You're doing as much as you can to defend your goal. And again, unfortunately, Dyer, which has been a number of times this season for him, was at fault for that goal in my opinion. Is Lloris finished? Um, <clears throat> I don't think Lloris is finished. I think whilst we all know Lloris's qualities, I think he's an excellent shot stopper. Um, he's obviously been part of the World Cup winning team. He is an experienced goalkeeper, especially in the Premier League. And he's highly respected. I do believe... You're saying a lot of things, to be honest. I do believe... I do believe he is coming towards the end of his career. Uh, I feel like the mistakes... Tops, an are analyst, still an there. Analyst, an analyst and an orator. Go on. I still, I still feel like the mistakes are there. But for me, he has saved us in a number of opportunities previously for me to feel like... Has he done that I this season, would you say? He looks, he looks finished to me. He's cost you. Like. Um, this, this, this season, he's cost us He's cost us in a few games. Absolutely, yes. But then lots of world-class keepers have the ability to do that. Um, no, they I don't. Think he's, you think he's world-class? I don't think that's what world-class keepers do. That's the whole point. I'm not calling him world-class in this moment. I think he's been a world-class goalkeeper. Okay, so we're talking about him right now. So we want to know him in this moment. How are you rate he's not, him? He's not finished. He's not finished. He's not finished. But what is that based on? He's c- consistently committing errors that lead to you conceding goals. Well, you know, he hasn't... Well, like, you, you know what? You know what? In the last few weeks, yes, he has made a couple of errors. But from, I'd say, the restart back in June, back up until maybe, let's say, end of January, he's been very, very good for us. Very few mistakes. Very, he's been a leader, which for a long time actually, even though you call you kind of call you kind of call goalkeepers a fake leader because they're really seeing the game from the furthest point generally. But I purely have, have felt that he has been a leader for us. And obviously, if you've seen things in like the documentary, he's clearly pulling ways, his team. In what ways has he led? From the documentary, you can see things that he's clearly pulling people up. Oh, one second. You're basing the leadership of the documentary. No, obviously not, obviously not all of the documentary, but I mean that's just an aspect of it. Okay, he's a goal, he's a goal, goal. by the way, you know, you know that documentary was a puff piece, don't you? Yeah, no, he's, he's a goalkeeper as a captain. You didn't he really beef didn't he beef Serge Aurier out the stadium the other day? Yeah. Like, didn't he beef I can't confirm. I just world. All I'm asking, Tops, is yes, I just want to know other examples beyond the documentary where you've yeah. seen leadership qualities. That's it. I mean, if we're really, if we're really being pedantic, goalkeepers generally can't show like because they're goalkeepers. Let's be honest. Right. Let's be honest. So, we can't. So, so, and then I ask again: so Were you lying? Then? Are you referencing them? Bro? So were you lying? Was I lying in, in regards well, to... You said, said, you said he showed leadership. But... And now we're asking for leadership skills. And now we're asking for God show us leadership skills. It's a bare-faced <laughs> lie. <laughs> so were you lying to us and the no, listeners? No, no, no. I wouldn't call it a bare-faced lie. I, I just believe, like, okay, okay. If I'm going to be frank, I believe before there were times when I'd watch him as a goalkeeper and I, wasn't, and I wouldn't really be sure that he was commanding the back line. He was really doing his job as a goalkeeper because maybe there were mistakes 
you wouldn't trust him in certain things, especially with his feet. But then as the restart has, has come back, and obviously, to the, which I would say probably the end of January, he's been a lot more assured. He's clearly manning that defence a lot better than he has. And obviously being the captain of the team, he has to be a leader in the in either on the pitch or off the pitch. So that is probably the larger respect in which I'm calling him a leader. Mariah, do you, do you not think that that answer was a very a politician's answer? I, I was oh, about uh, to ask him wh where he got the script that he's reading from. He's not actually looking at us and he seems to be reading. He's the least of our problems, trust me. Really? I think he's up there, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm not going to No, he's the least of our problems. Tops, I wanted to ask, what did you think of Gareth Gareth Burr's performance there. I was actually um, I, um I ran it back pretty well. I, so I you know, like from like general the general consensus is that it was a mixed bag when he came back to Tottenham. Um, he obviously hasn't played a lot of football for a long time, and it was obviously a very much a it was a hype around him coming back purely because of what we all know what he did when he was at Tottenham previously. We all know what he did when he was at Madrid. And yes, albeit him not playing very much in Madrid, there was always clearly a player in there with very good technical qualities, uh, almost a star quality, which Tottenham haven't had for a long time, you know, bar, bar let's say, Harry Kane. Um, so he hasn't really hit the ground running, to be honest with you. Um, we kind of discussed this earlier on, but I just felt like whilst the ability was there, his conditioning was just way off. Um, he was playing sort of 15, 20 minutes here and there, and even some games not really... Um, not even featuring, which kind of gave me the feeling that Mourinho wasn't that keen on him. But over the last couple of games, he's kind of given me feeling that, yes, his conditioning has largely improved. And obviously he's getting in positions on that right side or in sort of the 10 area whereby he's somewhat influencing games in like in moments. But I still feel like the conditioning is, is, a, bit, is, a, bit, is a bit way off. And I feel that he will probably give us a bit more of a push towards the latter part of the season. So you anticipated it taking two thirds of the season for him to get his conditioning back to be. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say first. I anticipated it, but in my mind, I felt like, given the number of games, given the depth that we have in lots of different areas, that yes, he would probably be drip fed sort of minutes throughout the season, and then when his fitness is really up there, you probably see a more. Um, Involvement from so you there. Didn't, you didn't buy into this best front three in the league. Oh no, no. Um, in in, in hindsight, in, in in hindsight, I did. I mean, like I saw him when he was at Tottenham before. I've kind of kept like interested in his career at Madrid. So I always knew that with a firing Kane, a firing Son, and Touchwood, a firing Bale, we would have a player, definitely a player on our hands, like a very very potent front three. But obviously, you know, that's not been the case. Mm -hmm. So, uh, honest, honesty, uh, Tobes, uh, top, sorry. I mean, I mean, you, sh you, you showed that just now, in, well, relative to that Laurie's answer. But, uh, <laughs> I, respect, I respect it, I respect it. Uh, uh, on on Bell, though, yeah? Um, yeah. Say for it, because I, I thought he played quite well today, to be fair. Yeah, I did too. Um, I really did too. If, if he plays like that, say, from now to the end of the season, he gets, you know, what, three, three or four goals before now and yeah. May, would you renew him for another year? Yeah, honestly, at this point, I was a bit like, I'm not going to renew him because I was watching him play. And like, every, every, if you look at Bale's qualities, he's a very, he's been a very explosive, explosive player, very good from long range, very good somewhat at set pieces, very good header of the ball as well. 
but a lot of the qualities that I know him to be uh, to him for him to possess, I found that I've not really seen much of that. You know, he's struggled against some of some of the lower teams, and I feel like there's been moments where I've been like, this is not the same Bell. And obviously, physically, he's not the same player. He was 23 when he left. He's like 30, 31 now, I think. So he is coming to the end of his career. And obviously those qualities which made him at the beginning, they're clearly not there now. But I always say if he has the ability technically and he can back himself, get himself to a good level of conditioning, yes, I'd absolutely. And now I've seen games which have made me feel like, you know what, his conditioning has probably been the issue. Get him fitter, get him some more minutes. And at this point, yes, I would, you know, I would ruin it. I, at this point, I, I absolutely do. He's looking slow, though. He's looking proper slow. Um, yeah, but then you know, I suppose as you get as you get older, you've got to change your game a little bit. He isn't he isn't that winger anymore, you know. Yeah, no, I do, I do think today was was an example of him like altering his game because he wasn't making yeah. those, those bursting runs like he did back in 2011. He was kind of you know playing that playmaker role, like pinging balls across uh, from yeah. side to side, making making those those quality passes. So I was actually quite impressed with him from what I've seen. Of of course, at Spurs, of course, he's not going to be that same player that he was in. You know the early days of, of Spurs, like blistering, running down the wing, but he was linking up with players pretty well, putting in some nice balls, some nice crosses. But yeah, man, he looked, he looked, he looked pretty, he looked pretty what, good. What me. is from, from the clips I saw? Yeah, where it was, I think the the sooner Spurs fans and even Jose Mourinho stops expecting the player of uh, the the bear of old, mm. you start to appreciate what he actually is now, what you yeah. can actually get from him now. To be honest, so yeah, the game again, yeah, against West Ham today, you can kind of see a few bits of quality that. He can definitely bring, and I, I, I was looking, and I think he's a better option than Bergwine. So you play him. To be perfectly honest, you play him. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we we didn't quite finish up on the the game in totality. So I asked a yeah. question. So, um, obviously Lingard's made it two 0 Two 0 Good finish. Uh, VAR checked it, but it was onside. Yeah. Uh, Lucas has then uh, come up and made it two one. Really good finish from Lucas. And to be honest, once Bell came on, you guys were for me pretty much in the ascendancy. And I was yeah. I was looking for you guys to probably get a draw. Um, you, you remain two who've kind of carried you so far. Kane and Son. Um, they weren't particularly on hand. Um, today. Um, what do you think you're going to need, considering how your team sets up and how reliant on yeah. them you are, what do you think you're going to need from them um, between now and the end of the season to achieve your targets? Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Um, <clears throat> from Kane and Son specifically? Oh, well, they are, they, I'd say they're the main source of your goals. And yeah, I think they are, yeah. Pretty obvious how you try uh, to defend. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I feel 
like with Tottenham, we're flogging a dead horse because with regards to the way Mourinho sets up, he clearly wants to feed these two players so that any opportunities, albeit they be the lowest amount of opportunities that we have, that we have to be as clinical as possible. And we're, we're just very fortunate we have two players who are in the world-class ilk to be able to be as clinical as Kane and Son are. I mean, at this point, I would like to see another 10 goals between now and the end of season for Kane and the very minimum, another five goals from Son. I've, I've said, in my opinion, for him to be considered as a world-class Premier League player, he has to score 20 in the league. So at the very minimum, I need to, I need to see at least five more from Kane, from, from Son. That would get you least... to 18, so you actually need to see another seven. Uh, another, another seven then, yeah, to, for him to get to 20. And I'd probably say Kane, another 10 more. The one problem we have with Spurs is that we just don't have any other sources of goals outside of those two. And it is somewhat worrying because on that right wing... Only somewhat. It's somewhat worrying because on that right wing, we have a number of different players who clearly are not of the quality that we require to kind of fill that role. And obviously it's so easy to see when either Kane or Son is either out of the team or they're not hitting form that we really do look devoid of goals. At this point, there was a discussion today about Bergwin not scoring for quite a significant amount of time. To be fair, Lucas has popped up from time to time, but then other attackers like Bale has been very low on the goal output. Lamella hey, very hey, low on the goal. Hey, brother, I, I just want specifics. Um, so how many games has Bergwin not scored for or assisted? I just... It's, I, just, it, um, I think it was... I think he's assisted. I remember him assisting this season because Tobes made quite a big deal out of it. But it's definitely been 34 games in the league. 34 games, yeah. yeah. So just four games off a of full but, season. See, and I, I feel like with Bergwin, it's it's a bit guilt-edged because I feel like whilst the quality is there, I do believe he is being... I feel like he's being pulled back because of the system he's, he's being asked to play in. I feel like you know what Mourinho kind of does to his sort of attacking players. He kind of limits and restricts their creative freedom, their ability to um, attack in the final third. And one of the issues I feel that Tottenham have is that whilst we are able to get, we are bit, we are able to move the ball between the lines with like Ndombele and Hoiberg into the final third. I feel like when we get to the final third, there's pretty much, if it's not through Kane or Son, there is no attacking freedom there's no there's no ability for them to express themselves freely and because they're asked, obviously asked to do a lot of defensive work a lot of sitting in a lot of harrying for, for fullbacks of the opposing teams you often find that the style of players that that you have like let's say the Lucases or the Bergerins they're kind of limited and obviously someone like Bergerin it's had even more of an adverse effect because he's had a long stretch of games, and it's not as if he's not getting into the areas. He is getting to the. Yeah, areas, I was going to ask about his profligate, profligate use of uh, big chances and how yeah. you think that probably affected the fact that he scored no goals. Yeah, obviously. I mean, like you, you probably you're probably looking back at that Liverpool game where he has two chances, one of them which I think he really should score, and maybe that affects confidence. Um, but looks like I mean, it's affected it's... Your, looks like it's affected yours as well, mate. Um, it's, so, it's just to, so just to finish up, because we, yeah. have, we have really gotten into nitty gritty today with you. Uh, yeah, sure. and I appreciate that, brother. Um, yeah, you're ninth at the moment, played 24 games. Yeah. You've got 36 points. So like we've said, you're a couple of points ahead of Arsenal with a game in hand. Uh, you're 
on the same points as Villa, but they've got a game in hand on you. Yeah, Everton yeah. have got four points on you and yeah. you've played the same amount of games. So there's a bit of a gap now of opening up between yourselves and um, the top four, um, top six, if you would. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Because, yes, yeah, it's, it's getting to that time of the season where you're going to have to start turning some of these um, losses uh, into at least draws and preferably wins. So, yeah, where's your head at, man? I mean, it's been a disappointing season because, you know, back in December, it looked like we were mounting somewhat of a uh, a charge, per se. But I've always been a bit suspect as at our defence. I've never really trusted it, and I still don't trust our defence. So moving forward towards the end of the season, I mean, I was looking at our run. It's somewhat favourable in comparison to some of the other teams. We haven't got, I would say, that many massively difficult games. I mean, we're away at Everton. Any of the games we've... Uh, a gimme? Sorry? Would you call any of the games a gimme? Um, I mean, in the Premier League this season, there are no gimmies in, in the league at the moment. Wise uh, man, wise man. I don't believe that to be the case. I think everyone's beating everyone apart from Man City. Um, so no, I wouldn't say there are there are gimmies. But in terms of the run over the next few games, um, I think we've got Burnley, Crystal Palace, Fulham, and I think Arsenal at some point as well. So I would be looking for us to push as much as we can for a top four space. Even I've said that- this before. I believe that our best route into the Champions League is by going all out in the Europa League. But then the Europa League's not an easy game. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy tournament. Won your uh, first leg 4-1. Good, good result. Yeah, against against what you would call like farmers per se, but... Mm-hmm. Um, the of things, were farmers it, at some point in their lives as well, so that's a. Yeah. Bit I mean, in, in the scheme of things, if you're looking at if you're looking at the Premier League, uh, what we were on twenty four games, so that means we've got what seventeen or sixteen games left in the league. Seventeen games in the league. Fourteen. Um, oh, excuse me. Thirty eight. Thirty eight game season. Not Sorry. Forty one. Uh, so fourteen. Um, and games. I know you're good at math, so that just tells me your head is all over the place. <laughs> yeah, so what? Fourteen games in the league. Yeah. Which against. Pushing against teams like Everton, Leicester, Chelsea, it's going to be difficult. But if we were to go on a technically seven-game unbeaten run, we would be winners of the Europa League. So the maths of it, I see it as you you go all out in the Europa League every Thursday when it comes. I'll bait the the, uh, the opposition, how difficult it could be. But if you push yourselves in that sense... You give yourself a better chance because it's, it's, the league is going to be a difficult one. There's teams fighting for every single point at this point, and in the in the top nine, I mean, there's such little such little space between each team. So, I feel like, um, in my opinion, a Europa League win would probably be our best uh, route into the Champions League. But mm-hmm. to, be, to be honest with you, that's all I really want. Um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not being a snob. I'm, I'm not being a snob, but I couldn't care less about. A, about a Carabao Cup win, um, I want top four or Champions League football. One of the you know, top four Champions League football. That's that's, that's what. That's, that's that's ballsy of you because just using a bit of game theory there. Um, Fourteen games and all the possible outcomes that could happen. Statistically, there's clearly a better chance of you getting top four than there is of you uh, in a knockout competition uh, winning it. But we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. You you may prove me wrong and you may fr- uh, prove the game theorists wrong as well. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, I guess we'll go on to my game, just finished. Um, so we beat Newcastle 3-1. Um, listen, this team's horrible. It's a horrible game to watch. 
uh, we spent on the Discord, we spent most of the time talking about other stuff in all honesty. Um, if I have to break it down into two halves, uh, the first half, uh, the defence started off pretty shaky, uh, had Newcastle looking as threatening as they've looked for a few weeks, but that's what we do. Uh, conceding goals is our bag, definitely. Um, you've got Fred, uh, you've got Fred in the middle, so you've got no no control over the midfield. Can't really string any passes together. So we kept turning the ball over, couldn't uh, connect with our forward line. Um, Maguire brought it out and Rashford scored a, a pretty good individual goal. You could argue that Newcastle's keeper should have done a bit better, but that was a good finish. Um, a few minutes later, they've gone back down our end. Uh, they've got the ball in. Maguire really, listen, they call him Slabhead. So there's an implication with the nickname Slabhead that you're going to dominate in the air and that that should lead to positive outcomes for, for your team. Um, you've seen the amount of set-piece goals we've conceded uh, this season. Um, but anyway, he's headed it down. And uh, to be fair, uh, from St. Maxima, that was a really, really good finish. Um, so that's made it 1-1. Uh, uh, we've gone in and, yeah, I knew we'd beat them just because they aren't a particularly good side. And Callum Wilson, their best striker, wasn't wasn't on. And the, the drop-off between him and Joe Linton is stark. Um, and, yeah, and we kind of just scored two goals. Um, Bruno assisted Daniel James, who was starting after a strong performance uh, in the Europa League against Sociedad to make it 2-1. And then Rashford, a fortuitous penalty. It looked like he almost anticipated the contact that didn't quite come. Uh, they didn't check it on VAR. Uh, made it three, made with, it three. With that, Mariah, um, mm. I know we speak about football heritage and mm. I, that that penalty, uh, uh, for me, I thought the game was pretty much done anyway, but at 2-1, it's precarious. So, mm. you know, in the Premier League, anything can happen, especially given the, the way Newcastle kind of performed, uh, especially in that, in that first half. Um, but those instances where referees are supposed to check those moments, well, why do you think that United always seem to get the rub in those situations, because I see it far too often now. Why wasn't that checked? I don't, what do you want me to say, man? We, we're the defining club of the Premier League era, um, and we're gonna we're gonna get decisions, you know. Mm. Um, I, and and we and we got one today. Um, what can I say? Yeah. The, ref, the ref should check, even if you give a penalty. You should always just do your due diligence and just double check because listen, man, it's a it's a fast paced game. Uh, Bruno slotted it away as he usually does. Um, yeah, we, we win, I guess. We stay within 10 points of Manchester City. But listen, it's mm. going to be a tough graph for us over these next few weeks. Uh, yeah. Pogba's out for the rest of February. We've got we've got Chelsea coming up. Um, we'll, we'll get onto their performance, but you, you're going to expect them to be up for it. Uh, Martial, yeah, absolutely dusted. Not Ab- is, is it? Absolutely dusted. Um, nothing, nothing performance up top. Um He's lost all urgency, goal threat, um, even the things that he was good at when you complained about his urgency, he's not even doing that. Um, so it leaves us really rudderless in attack because while Cavani is constantly a goal threat, he doesn't really bring much else. And it does mean that for a lot of the time, it does feel like you're man light when you're trying to combine and you're trying to build and you're trying to build superiority in your uh, opponent's third of the pitch. Um Bruno's going to Bruno, isn't it? He's going to get his moments in games like these against the poor sides, but against the better sides, that doesn't quite work, especially when we don't get the ball as often to him as we, we usually would do. Um, we're still we're still riding that Rashford train to the walls come off, so um, he should be getting a rest on Thursday because we're 4-0 up in the Europa League. 
Um, I expect him all of the. Greenwood time. start that. Greenwood huh? does he start that game? Does he start against um, Sociedad? Yeah. Yeah, I think it makes sense to give him a run out. He came off the bench today. Yeah, um, he came off the bench today for Marshall up front, mm. which is good. Um, I don't think he performed particularly well when he came on, but I think it, it might be a prelude to what's to come. And I guess Solskjaer giving him an opportunity up front because out wide, I think he he struggled out wide this season. Um, yeah, as he's looked better in the last few games, but yeah, I agree. He yeah. has struggled out. He has struggled out wide. We're running out of options, really. Um, to be honest. We're running out of options. Out of interest, what are we? What are you putting this this change in form for Martial down to? Like a confidence? I listen honestly. I really don't know what to. I can't even describe it because, um, and I don't really understand it because he was coming off uh, statistically speaking anyway the strongest uh, season that he's had with us. So um, when you're turning the ripe old age of 25, uh, this is tends to be the time when strikers kick on in terms of their goal return. So what I thought we were seeing was the beginning of him becoming a, a one-in-two striker, at least. Um, can understand starting the season a bit slow, you know, turnover. Um, we played late European football. They didn't have a proper preseason, but he just hasn't turned it around. He looks slow. He looks sluggish. He doesn't look confident. Um, I just have to question his, his desire because um, there becomes a point when it comes down to you. And, and your application and essentially what, what you're trying to make of it on, on, on the pitch and make of yourself. And there isn't that um, energy in him that's looking to go out there and hurt the opposition, make things happen. I think he had one decent run where he, had, he got a shot off. That was a nice shot. That was a nice yeah. shot. But in, in six, there's a, minute, there's a reason he came off after around 60 minutes. I think it was 60, 65 minutes. Yeah. Um, he just wasn't doing enough. And listen, as, as a former um, goal scorer, Oli, he's going to be on to him hard. And he's going to be looking at him and like, if he's not giving him what he needs from him up top, he's going to pull him. And he, he did try and invest a lot of time in him um, last season. It looked like he had reaped the benefits. But at this point, we have to be looking to get better now. We just can't afford for our number mm. nine to have four league goals in, in February, late February. Um, so, do you think, yeah. Do you think, you think you're one of the, going to be one of the clubs that tries to go for... Um... Holland in what, summer. I feel like half a dozen of the biggest clubs in Europe have <laughs> yeah. got their eye on him. Yeah, perhaps. Um, does he come here? I don't know if that's wise of him uh, because my issue is still with Oli. Uh, I can criticise some of the players, but uh, I still believe a better coach gets more out of the players that we have. Um, so I don't How know much if, more? How much more? Um, 20 to 30% more if you, if you want that to be numerical. Um, in terms of actual the, the, the qualitative side of things, um, it's, it's simply the structure of the team. Um, we tend to go how our individuals go, which is why losing somebody like Paul Pogba is such a damning loss for the team. Because when you look at the players who come in as these replacements, they do not have the same skill set. So do not, you do not have players who are comfortable on the ball, deep, in pressure, to then receive the ball off the centre-backs and link the midfield to the attack. Um, you do not have players who read the game well, particularly in McTominay and Fred. Um, so because they don't have those qualities and the manager's not putting in a system where they're able to, almost like a committee, kind of help each other out by all doing a little bit of everything, they're just all exposed. Matic played today. Always nice to see him. Surprised he hasn't played more because he's always kind of comfortable on the ball, reads the game well, has good positioning. As you know, Meads, 
the issue with Matic comes when you play him too much. Yeah. And then his, but he hasn't played at all this year, which has been very odd because we were a lot more solid last season when when he did play. Um, so um, that's the issue in terms of the midfielder defenders. Um, Maguire is who he is. Lindelof is who he is. Um, we'll bang on about this forever, but you're not going to get the best out of either of those playing them beside each other because they're similar sort of defenders. Yeah. Not the best athletically, not the best in open spaces. Um, not Eva's not really a defender you want to engage on the front foot with a, with a physical striker. Um, you pair them with a with a buy a, a defender who's going to be a bit more aggressive and be able to engage. But this seems to be Oli's um, first choice partnership, and as long as that's his first choice partnership, we will be susceptible. And then you look at the attack, and uh, it's Bruno whose goals come out of nowhere, really, against a run of play consistently or penalties. And, and Rashford, who um, he's trying his best, but he's still a player who has another level to go to, in, in my opinion. And that was his ninth goal in the league this season, 18 in all comps. But um, he, he should really be around 25, edging closer to 30. As crazy as those numbers sound, on the balance of chances and the positions he gets into and what he does in those positions, those are the numbers I think he should potentially be hitting. Um, so, it, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. We did see one of those PR debuts for uh Shola Shori Tizi. That's gonna be my uh <laughs> first name um and his last name uh, which was nice he's had a lot of hype he's come through the academy um but even in that we were three one up um with about 10, 10 minutes left why don't you give him a proper opportunity to get out and get his foot on the ball so unless he's looking to play him against Sociedad and give him a proper run out him and Amar Diallo then again it's just one of those things that's gonna look nice in the paper tomorrow when the fans are reading it. Um for my money, we're definitely in the top four race. Um, we have not... The, the gap we had, we've evaporated that by drawing with Everton, not beating West Brom and losing to Sheffield United. Um, so we better watch ourselves, man, because the teams behind us are coming and they're coming fast. You've got Leicester, who look good. West Ham, people keep anticipating them falling off, but they're only playing one game a week. Uh, they brought in Jesse Lingard, who looks really good for them. I'm really happy to see Jesse doing well. Um, Chelsea are about. They've got a they've got a new manager um, who knows what he wants to do with his team. So they're so they're going to be a problem because you're going to expect them to be the better team in the majority of the matches that they're playing. Uh, Liverpool are Liverpool. Um, as much as they've struggled, they're still the champions and they still have quality and they can hurt teams. Um, and Everton, I don't particularly rate Everton, but yeah, they're, they're getting results somehow. So yeah, we have got to make sure that we we do our job and you probably want to get as close as you can to that 70 point mark to to make sure you get a top four spot. Um, on yeah, yeah. So so we'll be watching that very closely because it's it's gone from 21 in 21 to uh, looking at who <laughs> 21 and 21 to looking at who City's playing next and hoping that the team uh, beats them, which we've all seen is not the case. Um, yeah, so that's that's where we are. That's how I feel about it. Um, yeah. So uh, next game we've got on our list, uh, Chelsea. So that's the one-one draw with uh, Southampton. That's the early kickoff uh, on the on the Saturday. Always a dangerous game. Um, yeah. It, was, it wasn't without its highlights on and off the pitch. Yeah. Um, Mead, I know you didn't watch all of the game, so yeah. you can you can tell us what you saw, and the rest of us will fill in the gaps because oh, we certainly watched it. Yeah. Uh, well, I only caught really the second half. I, I heard the first half was a bit abject. Um, I saw Minimino's goal. Um, on, on the highlights, it was an incredible goal. Um, 
I didn't actually look at the lineup. I did, I, until half time, I didn't really see who was playing. And um, I saw Zuma was in the middle of the back three, which always gives me alarm alarm bells because generally the person in the middle of the back three should be your most composed and I guess adept on the ball at the centre backs. So Zuma isn't that. We all know that Zuma has Zuma focus, and that's not to say that you know every centre back needs to be an incredible ball player, but. Zuma takes his time with the ball, isn't really going to progress it well, isn't going to try and make adventurous line-breaking pass that you get from a Christiansen or, a, um, of course, as a, on a much higher level as Thiago Silva. Um, so I know the goal came from him being out of position and then Aspilicueta having to come around on the cover and he got spun. Aspi got spun and Minamino with a nice little bit of composure um, and to throw it in to make it 1-0 against a balance of players. They're one, the only shot all game. Well, the only shot in the first half um, on target. And then, um, yeah, 1-0 down. And then, um, so I saw, and then I saw, obviously, after second half, I saw, like, bits and bobs. And Hudson came on. Hudson came on the pitch, I think, at halftime for Tammy Abraham, who just wasn't good. Um, apparently, that when it comes to, like, what I saw, the bits I saw, just like his general play. I, I always said Tammy Abraham isn't good enough at this level. Um, he did remarkably well to score 15 goals last season um, because I didn't really expect much of him. Um, but even if you're uh, playing for a team like Chelsea, playing for a team that creates as, as much as we did last season especially, you should really be scoring goals. You should really be scoring, if, if not more than that. I think he's had a lot of chances. and I, don't think, I just don't think he's really good enough at this level. Um, so he came off for Hudson-Odoi. I think there might have been a slight change of shape. Werner went up top because it was Werner Mount behind Tammy in the first half. So I think Werner went up front and then Cho went to left wing or right wing, either or. Um, so he came on, he played that like, it did a little bit of a shimmy, drop of a shoulder and then found Mason Mount and, and Mount got just clattered by Danny Ings for a penalty, which was a, a crazy decision. But Mount stepped up took the penalty, started it, 1-1. And you'd think there that we're probably going to kick on and, like, get in the ascendancy. And I always thought, like, our biggest issue is, like, our final decision. Like, we we get into good areas, like, all the time. But our final pass ain't there. Our final shot ain't there. The final touch ain't there. And obviously, you've got, like, a player like Timo Werner whose touch is absolutely horrific. Um, Like, honestly, one of the worst I've ever seen um, from a Chelsea perspective, like, terrible. Um, but yeah, that, that final bit just wasn't there. Um, and yeah, and then after about 15 minutes or so, Hudson, yeah, so about the 60, 63rd, 64th minute, um, he brings off, what was it, the 63rd? No, I'm lying, 75th, so 70th, so 70th minute, 72nd minute, no, 76th minute, um, he brings off Hudson Odoi. So after about 20 minutes, he takes off Hudson um, and brings on Hakim Ziyech. Now, a lot's been said about the substitution. And for me, just based on what I saw and, and just in bits, I didn't think Hudson was particularly poor. But I, I and even with Tuchel's reasoning about him not being aggressive enough in the counter press, uh, okay, but then you're bringing him off for someone who, who isn't really good at pressing anyway. So Hakim Ziyech isn't really the most aggressive um, counter-presser. But then again, even when he came on, I don't think that he pressed as well. So I don't know. I think maybe one of the things I, I think with Tuchel 
in that in that decision, um, I think, as you guys have probably all seen, like after the game, like, he picks Hudson every game. Um, after the game, is always like Pally and grabbing him up. Like there's like, there's, like a, a clear relationship between. Them. I think he's probably done that one because he probably thought that yeah, Hudson wasn't really just cutting it. And what for after 20 minutes, he figured, yeah, nah, he's not cutting it today. It's not, it's not really his game. Um, so he takes him off. But I also think that that might be the fact that he expects better from Hudson. He knows that's his boy, so he'll know that he's able to take that. You know what I mean? That being said, it's still a violation. Uh, he's still only 20 years old, so I think he will definitely take that to heart. And we'll see what he how he how he bounces back because that's. You know, he got three man of the matches in a row under Tuchel in the first couple of games. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if it was the right thing for Tuchel to do. I don't know if that was the right message. What are your What are your views on Tuchel so far? He's been here for a couple of games now. You know what? I'm I'm happy with him, man. I'm happy with him. I can't lie to you. It's a stark comparison to the the the, the poorness that I was seeing under Frank Lampard. And I saw saw for quite some time. Um, there's a, a structure in place. We very rarely allow teams to create chances against us. We very rarely allowed to shoot. We ver- like we control most of the games, and not that's not even just with and without the ball. Like with and without the ball, we control their counters. We control every facet. So, and this is without necessarily having players that he likes. Um, so. For me, I'm I'm very confident. I'm very comfortable with with the appointment. Um, I just think that uh, there's just that final bit that's missing. I think, but when we we get into these areas, that final pass is just overhit or underhit, or it's just it's just made we made the wrong decision. I think once you get into once you get over time, I think that'll improve. Generally, excuse me, I think generally that will improve over time. But I also think that it's conducive of the players that you're selecting. So I think that Timo Werner is never going to make that final pass, like with quality, in my opinion. Mason Mount, although I think Mason Mount had actually, he had a good game. I think Mason Mount actually had a, a pretty decent. Okay, first half he was poor. Second half I think he was pretty good. Um, but my biggest issue with Mason Mount is that because he generally he's so erratic. His, his style of play is very erratic. He's a very um, energetic type of player. Erratic might be the wrong word, but he's very energetic. And when you play with so much energy and vim, the very best players are able to slow down in those final moments and make the right decision, make the final pass, make the final shot. Um, Mount is very like just gung ho with it. Is it? He doesn't take care because he's he's thinking at 100 miles an hour. So he might make the wrong pass. He might make the sloppy pass. He might not make the right decision. And, because he's moving so quickly or his brain is going so quickly. So I think once we start to iron those kinks out, I think we'll be all right. Um, well, I don't have a problem. I think the, the, the position that Tuchel and Chelsea were left in um, as a result of Frank Lampard's ineptitude, um, you weren't really expecting us. We were off, what, 10 points off, the, off top four or 11 points off top four. So I don't think anyone was really expecting us to get there. But now we're in a position where we can. I think Tuchel will probably, he could bring it home. So... We just have to wait and see, man. We have to wait. Like, and one see. thing I've got, I wanted to say, Meads. So, so am I. What I wanted to say is that, like, I don't know. I when I when I listen to Tuchel's interview post match, like, hmm. I kind of understand his reasoning, but I feel like it just doesn't sit well with me. Right when managers treat young players specifically like this, because yeah. I feel like 
like remember last season or the season before, um, Duncan Ferguson done something similar to that Moist. And I feel like I don't feel like these managers are taking into account like the psyche, like what this can do to a player because of like we don't know, we don't know Hudson as well, we don't know that Moise, uh, Moise Keen, but they could be confident on or off the pitch, you know. But I feel like these kind of things are things that stick with you and it mm. can kind of play on your mind because we already know that he wasn't in favour under Lampard and he was having to do more than the average guy was having to do to get on to get game time. Mm. So then finally he gets a manager who is supportive of him, is clearly keen on him, starts him and he's been performing. So then I'm kind of interested in to understand why he feels by doing that to a young player who's already had his confidence dented largely for most of the season, yeah. that that would help. Because sometimes as well, you know, like, we talk about players needing different things to motivate them. Like, mm. who's to say that's going to actually make Hudson Odoi not Bad. give a shit even yeah. more? Or it could push him the other way. It could push him to be like, you know what, that, uh, what is it, like, that 30, 30 minutes, 35 minutes that I was on, yeah, it wasn't good enough. I watched the tape back and I'm going to have to improve and do this and this and that, you know? But I just, I don't know, something just doesn't sit well with me when it happens to young players. I, I agree. I, do you know what it is? I agree. And I don't think we'll really ever know. Um, I know probably Hudson's very honest about like his feelings when it comes to certain things. So I think he probably won't shy away from saying that, yeah, that hurt him. And I think it hurt any footballer. Um, but I definitely agree that Tuchel would probably not be thinking about how it's really hurting or, or affecting the psyche of Hudson. But I do also think that maybe because they have a good rapport, that Hudson may not take it entirely to heart. And also because Tuchel is so honest, like one thing that you could get from Tuchel is his honesty. Like after games, pre-game, everything is very, very honest. And he will speak. And I think if he's if he's this honest to the press, then I can only assume that he'd be as honest to the players. So <laughs> I don't which is which I, is which is fair, right? What, what, but then, let me, like, let me yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. So sorry. I, I don't think I think he will say to I think he'll say because he also said as well one thing that is very important as well. He said like because he he does post get match with so Chelsea TV does post match with Sky BT all that BBC etc. I think and even in the Chelsea one, he said I could have been very harsh. I could have been harsh. It could have been a harsh decision. I'm going to watch the game back and make the... So he said he's going to watch the game back two or three times to really assess that decision, if it was the right one. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So yeah. he's critical of himself as well as the players. So it's not a thing where it's like, oh, no, he was rubbish. I don't care, blah, blah, blah. No, he said, I'm going to watch it back and see. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. As much as I think it was still a dick move, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because honestly... He has admitted on numerous occasions already that I've gotten a couple of things wrong. I've made I've certain players not playing. And I think that's a bit unfair because honestly, I've had only a small amount. He he's been he admits what one thing that I like about him is that he admits a lot of things that we we knew me and you might not see, but he admits it and says, you know what, I might have made the wrong decision here. Like it might be my fault that we're not doing this here. It might be my fault that we're not. Like, and that's it's a complete a complete change from what we've had before like a complete change where 
players aren't playing and then you're getting excuses like, oh, they need to train harder. They need to, they, they need to stop being lazy. Blah, blah. Like, that, well, that's just not true. You're just not playing them because you don't fancy them. That's fine. But just, just, be, just be honest with it. Not telling players. And like, for example, Fakaya Tamori did a big interview with, um, I think it was Gold, explaining that, look, when I got dropped from the team, didn't tell me nothing. Didn't tell me what I need to do to improve. Didn't tell me what I needed to do to get back in the team. Didn't tell me um, where I'm going wrong in the, in anything. He just just stopped talking to him. But there's this honesty that I'm seeing from Tuchel that is a stark contrast to the player. And and I think all of the players have cited as such that he's going to give everyone an opportunity. He's going to be fair. He's going to be honest. And I I one thing that you could you could you could take from that, and I think with Hudson he will take heart from this, is that. Tuchel isn't going to lie to him. Tuchel will be honest with him. And at the very least, he could take some comfort in that. It's not nice, of course. That, that happened to him. It's not nice. But I wouldn't be surprised if Hudson starts against Atletico Madrid. I, I won't. Because the way that Tuchel is, and the way Tuchel relied upon him as well, I, I don't think um, it's going to be a, a massive dent in their relationship. But we'll see. of course, Hudson's going to be pissed, I think. But it'd be, he'd be silly not to be upset or, or annoyed at that. Million percent, young player that's very confident in himself and ability. So, I got a quick question on a player that you were, were raving about when you first signed him. Mm. Uh, struggled, I think it's fair to say, struggled since he's come in. Uh, wasn't particularly impressive when he came on. Uh, Hakim Ziyech, um, he comes with a good stock, you know, Ajax Champions League semi final, etc. etc. Um, mm. but very quickly, he's seen uh, his reputation descend to that of a cross and inshallah merchant. <laughs> so uh, I'm interested just to get your thoughts on how he's done, how yeah. you can see him potentially playing under Tuchel and what he needs to change to do well. You know what it is? Um, I think under Tuchel, I think he probably will struggle. Um, not because he's a bad player, but the way that Tuchel likes to play and likes his attackers to play with a bit of um, aggression, a lot of aggression, um, a, a 1v1 ability is very important for his attackers as well. Um, and Ziyech's inventiveness isn't just isolated to his crossing um, but the way that Ziyech played under Frank Lampard I think he was a lot Lampard's style of play is the attackers are they just do what they want really and truly like they, they, there's no attacking structure there's no attacking play um, they just get into certain areas and cross it in fact Lampard's main weaponry was the crossing and Ziyech has obviously got a wand of a left foot now before Ziyech's injury, um, so when he came back from injury the first time, Ziyech was fantastic. Um, I think he went, he went for a run of four, four or five games where he was just he was amazing. Um, but then got another injury. And this is what happens when, and I think that this is this is something that's quite similar to, to Mikel Arteta as well, that where they don't really look after these players' bodies. They don't look after their players. Um, you look at Thomas Partey, for example, um, quality player, but he's not really getting a chance to showcase his quality because whenever he comes back from injury, he's dashed straight back in. The same, the same happened with Ziyech. Um, got his injury. As soon as he came back from injury, Lampard dashed him straight back in and got a recurring injury. And now he just he doesn't look... He doesn't look confident at all. He doesn't look confident at all. So the last couple of games when he's come on, he just looks sluggish. Everything is slow. Like the the zippy passing that he does, like quick one twos, like nothing's there. Nothing. Even his crossing is off. You know what I mean? So 
I think he's suffering from a crisis of confidence. Now the change of managers there as well. And now obviously Tuchel's not really played him. Um, so, and when he came on, yeah, yes, he was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And Ziyech is one of my favourite players, but that's just, he was been dreadful. Last couple of games, he's been absolutely poor. And um, like I said, I don't know entirely if he's going to fit, um, he's going to fit Tuchel over the, the next season or so. So it, it, be, it wouldn't surprise me if Ziyech was let go, which is mad after one year, after one season, but it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. It doesn't mean he's a bad player at all, but I just don't think he probably would fit the profile of attacker that um, that Tuchel would like. And I think the same could fall foul um, upon Christian Pulisic as well. Um, so it's just one of those things. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I guess we watch. You've got a big game coming up in the midweek. How are you feeling about that one? You know what? Quietly confident. Quietly confident. That's not to say I think we're going to smack Letico, um, but they're going through a little crisis run at the moment. Um, where I think they've what they've won only one out of their last four or five. Um, they're leaking goals now as well. They've got a, a COVID crisis as well. Um, their attackers aren't really scoring. It's only really Suarez. It's really turning up. Um, I know we look quite solid, to be perfectly honest. So it might be a board draw. And a board draw away from them. Not really too, you know. I think we'll be the aggressors. I think generally we're going to control the game. Um, it's just about whether we take our chances or not. Um, as, as it stands, I don't think we're, we're, we're quite clinical enough um, to really bank on us putting them to the sword. But we'll just have to wait and see. It's Tuesday, it's tomorrow, uh, okay, in two days. So we'll see, man. I, I, I'm quietly confident. I don't think we're going to lose the game, but it's just about whether we win it. Um, we're away from home at first. So, yeah, we'll just, just wait and see, man. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we eagerly await that clash. Yeah. Uh, okay. Julian, uh, how you doing, bro? What, what, are you, <coughs> what are you trying to get into? Man, man, I know you. I know everyone's been waiting for this. Yeah, not last but definitely not least. Um, yeah. so that's a two-nil loss for your for your mighty Reds at the hands of your uh, local rivals Everton at home, and that makes it four home losses in a row after was that sixty-seven odd games uh, without a loss. 68. Um, sixty-eight even. Yeah, 68. Sorry, excuse, excuse my maths. I got a bit of the tops there. Um. <laughs> So uh, just quickly, just pull up the table. Give me a second. So you're sixth. Uh, you've played 25 games. You've got 40 points. So you're 19 points off uh, City, nine points off us, uh, five points off the top four. Uh, what's going on, brother? Boy, I, I don't know where to begin. Uh, At the beginning, that would be good. <laughs> At the beginning, well, if you want to talk about the beginning, it will have to be the lack of investment in the summer for a centre-back cover. Um, which has, which had us riding, which had us riding the wave a bit. Um, I don't want to, I honestly don't want to concentrate too much on that, even though it does play play a big part in our season. Um, it's it's absolutely diabolical. We're in absolutely diabolical form. And to be honest, as much as we do have centre backs that are out at the moment um, for for lengthy spells, um, there should have been some investment in the summer or even at the start of the window um, this January. Um, to cover and then we literally waited until the last minute to sign two um, Quebec and Davis who didn't even feature um, in the first couple of games which was which was very disappointing but then uh, the form that we've been on is no there's no excuse for this there's no excuse for this at all um, we've lost four games in a row last game we won was at West Ham 
And I thought like at West Ham, there was something that um, Klopp hasn't done in these last four games, and that's actually have a change of tactics. So going off of yesterday, uh, I'm just going to start at the back. At the back, it was poor that um, Henderson was starting. And I've been quite I've been quite vocal about um, us not playing natural centre-backs. I'm not understanding why Nat Phillips has been treated so harshly, to be honest. Um, he should have actually started alongside Quebec, even though, yes, they're both quite inexperienced with Quebec being 20 years old and him not being in the best form as well. But I believe that Henderson playing at the back, um, it, it, it takes away from the control that we have in midfield. Agreed. And and I, d- I definitely think it takes away more from the team than it does add in terms of like having a steady a steady set of a steady step a steady head at the back and having the lead there. I definitely yeah. think, can yeah, I ask you like yeah. do you do you not think that because me personally yeah, I think Liverpool fans have been telling us and telling me in particular for a long time how important Henderson is for your midfield and yeah. I can't lie I used to rubbish it a lot. I used mm. to rubbish it a lot because I didn't really rate Henderson as a player. I still don't particularly think he's a, a fantastic player. But one thing that you, it's one thing taking out Fabinho, but taking out the energy and industry that Henderson brings from your midfield is a massive, massive L. Very detrimental. Massive L. And I think, do you think that this is probably, this period has kind of given, not just Liverpool fans, but other footballing fans an understanding or or, or more of an empathy towards Henderson and his role in, and importance an appreciation, if you would. Yeah, more of an appreciation. Um, what I do, what I do personally think that Liverpool fans, especially, especially since I'll say, um, since Klopp has come in and Henderson has taken more of, uh, taken taking that leadership role, and that captain armband is just not a captain armband that he wears for no reason. Um, especially since Klopp has come in, I definitely feel like uh, Liverpool fans have appreciated him for quite a few years now. The fact that he dictates, he dictates the tempo in the midfield, believe it or not. Um, he has a lot of shouting too. I've, I've watched those. Yeah, but I say a, yeah. a lot of shouting, a lot of leadership in that midfield. But I feel like for other for other fans, um, they they kind of still had that 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 memory of Henderson of old, who just had you know not the best not the best technique, not the best technician, not the not the most fanciest on the ball. And yeah, I definitely feel like this period in time has. I don't know. I can't speak for other fans, but maybe had them appreciating that. Yeah, when Henderson is not in our midfield. We lose that ingenuity. We lose that. We lose that control. And to be honest, in the first half yesterday, going back to the game, we saw that. We saw that a lot. Um, um, boy, that that midfield three of um, Wijnaldum, Thiago, and Jones. It's there's no control there. Um, they do, were, do, do, do you know what? Do can you, we? Can we? Yeah, I'm sorry. You mentioned the name that I. I just one of my favorite players. One of my yeah. favorite players. Thiago Alcantara, one of the finest controllers in world football. Hold on, before, we, hold on, hold on. before we get to Thiago, I just want him to finish on the back line. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll start at the back, we'll okay. get to the midfield. Yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Can you palm myself a little drink? Let's take time. So, yeah, starting from the back, um, I definitely feel like Quebec, he's not been, honestly, since he's come in, even um, on, during the week when we've had our Champions League game, I felt like um, he, even him getting man of the match was a bit confusing to me. I don't think he played particularly well. I personally feel like there was there was many times where he, especially with the offside track that Liverpool loves to play, he keeps a lot of players on, and that was that was evident of that with James Rodriguez is playing that playing that great ball into Carlison and him not being able to keep up with him. Quebec, I don't think has started well. I personally haven't been impressed with him in his time. He in his time here, he, he is only twenty, um, which is still young for a centre back. But 
I've got to say, he's not been impressive. And then the moment, then the moment Henderson got injured, um, and yeah, that was when I personally felt like we kind of lost control of that defense. Um, Trent and 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 Robertson, they've been Robertson. To be honest, is the only one that's been chugging along in the defense. Trent has been absolutely dire this season. I got to be honest, he's been very rash with tackles. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that came from nowhere. Hold yeah, on. He's been quite, honestly, quite dire this season. Um, the things that we used to um, big him up for, which is obviously his attacking prowess, joining the attack, linking up with Salah, putting balls in. He's, to be fair to him, he's taken more onus this season on, you know, working on his defensive side of the game instead of being, um, you know, a contributor to the attack. But my God, this season, he's he's had a few moments where he's been he's been getting ripped. He's been getting, he's been giving away a lot of fouls, and he's he's got to improve. That to be honest, the foul yesterday um, that gave him for the penalty was, in my opinion, quite harsh. But yeah, I thought it was harsh. I, I, I thought it was harsh. Okay, but let, I, can, let, I can see let, it. Let, let, let's let's talk about get into it. What are you trying to get into? I'm not saying it was a foul. I'm not saying it wasn't a foul. So. This is because I'm hearing some people saying it was a penalty, other people saying it uh, wasn't a penalty because um, Calvert Lewin made contact with Trent and that wasn't his intention. Mm. But um, from my perspective, the outcome which was stopping him from getting that clear opportunity yeah. goal yeah. makes it a foul. And if, if what we're calling not fouls are things that it comes down to being intentional or not intentional, the majority of fouls probably wouldn't be because a person's intention when they go for the tackles to win the ball and they, they, they miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, wh- where do you stand when when I when I present that to you, Jules? What's your rebuttal, sir? Well, at first, to be honest, when I saw the when I first saw the tackle, I was obviously, of course, being a biased Liverpool fan, I was seeing it as more of the the, the second contact being made um, when you know he missed the tackle and then sorry, I'm um, and got his shot off and then he kind of like stumbled over Trent. But then upon upon more upon more viewings, and I think it was a match of the day yesterday, I actually saw the contact at first, and I was like, yeah, you know what? To be fair. Trent, you was very, very rash with that tackle. So that's that that was a penalty um, yeah. on second viewing. But still, man, Trent, these 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 moments where you're one on one with defend, the defender, he's really got to improve on that. Um, I feel like he's rode his luck a bit, being such a great contributor at right back. You know, in terms of um, um giving great assists, but defensively, that it's, the chickens have come home to <laughs> the chickens have come home to roost. Like I cannot believe this. And to be fair, you can, me personally, maybe other Liverpool fans have gassed him up, but me personally, I've never been, you know, the biggest, ah, oh, Trent is, you know, the best right back in the league. Like I said, all I that. see on your Twitter page is wisdom, brother. Yeah, man. I've never, I've never really been <laughs> no, the most, I've never I really been the most average Trent supporter. Yeah, so man. what Trent? So Trent's not he's not generational, no? Never that never came out of my mouth, but yeah. Mike, uh, Julian's never called him um, um never called him generational. I've seen Danny Alves, I've seen I've seen I've seen too many right backs. Philip Lam, you know, Lam, I've seen yeah. guys. Like, I'm not I'm not like these Liverpool fans that have you know seen us for the last three, four years and you know expect our team to be the best team since life spread. So I'll be honest, Trent okay. Trent. Trent, Trent is something something that needs to be, uh, that needs to really improve this season. Yeah, I can uh, see it in your face. There's a bit of pain, bit of anguish. Yeah, yeah man. So, <laughs> um, that's the so that's the defense. That's the defense. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, there's multiple issues with the defense. Um, let's talk about the midfield. So we we'll just talk with Ronaldo. Let's talk. Um, Thiago Alcantara needs um asked you about him a few minutes ago. Um, yeah. What what were your thoughts about their performance yesterday and the problems? 
they are causing for your team uh, this season? Do you know what? With our midfield, um, I definitely feel like... Oh, let me start with Thiago first. With Thiago, I definitely feel like the quality... He's, he's still a quality, world-class player. Um, I still, I, I definitely feel like, though, he has been victim to injuries a lot. And by that, I mean that um, we've seen, for example, when you know he came on against Chelsea, um, be it there were 10 men, he was up against 10 men, he was able to dictate the tempo, especially with our full squad, dictate the tempo, um, keep keep the ball ticking, play it well. Like, I don't expect him to be honest to be the, to be a Steven Gerrard, get the ball, run, 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 run the length of the pitch and bang a go in. I expect him to make them quality passes, you know, the, as they say, the pass before the pass. But expect and also um, even against Everton, yeah, let's go back to the fixture um, back in the earlier the season against Everton. He was probably one of our one of our best players because he had that midfield there. He had that midfield of Fabinho being there to cover to cover to cover him and not make because to not make the fouls that he foul the, the fouls that he makes because especially since he's come back he's been um making some rash rash fouls a lot of yellow picked up a yellow, lot of yellow cards a lot of stupid fouls and it kind of neuters his game for the rest of the rest especially What's, doesn't I guess I guess my question is yeah what what is like tactically yeah what is Thiago supposed to be doing in that midfield because because this is the thing that I don't really understand. Like, because when he's playing as as a six, whatever, I don't think he can really defend. You know, he tackles worse than than Paul Scholes did. You know, he's, he was he's getting bare yellow cards left, right, and center whenever he was playing in that position. And when he's playing as an eight, you know, I thought he was signed to to come in and you know be this creative spark in in the midfield. People were saying, "Oh, Liverpool's midfielders they don't really contribute to them in possession, etc." Um, but I'm not seeing any incisiveness from him, like whatsoever. You know, there's no sort of through balls that's going into to Mane, Salah, um, uh, Firmino, that kind of thing. He's just he's just recycling possession, and I feel like sure. if if that's what you wanted, you know, you already had like the the the, the prime recycler in in Wijnaldum. A bin man, if you would. Yeah. You get what I mean? But then, but then one, one, thing that, <laughs> one thing that's always like, kind of confusing is that, like, okay, with a fully fit Liverpool midfield, does he get in alongside Henderson and Fabinho? Fabinho, yeah. Well, to, to answer both of your questions before I get to Meads's one, um, with Thiago, I definitely, I definitely feel like, again, he's victim of of actually, and Mush mentioned this last week. He's been given the, the same job spec as every single midfielder um, of Klopp's midfield at Liverpool. So he has been neutered in the fact that he won't. He probably he's, he's probably being told you have to be a physical presence, be on the ball, get the ball, and recycle it to Mane, or even just look for um, Robertson, who's going to be on the overlap and pass it to them. And that's how we're going to create chances. And I definitely feel like, yeah, um, to be honest, Klopp has to come into a bit of question with um, this the, the way he's setting up this midfield. Um, you can't expect to buy a player of Thiago's talents and expect him to have the same role as a Wijnaldum would or a Milner would two, three years ago when they're just there to be a physical presence and, you know, kind of cover the defence when, you know, Robertson um, or Trent, if he's playing on the right, um, is is bombing forward trying to join the attack. I definitely feel like Thiago... And also, I definitely feel like from maybe Liverpool fans and maybe Premier League fans, they're expecting more than what Thiago truly is. I, I personally, from when, from when Thiago was at Bayern Munich, never saw him as this crazy creator, as someone who was, you know, bagging crazy assists. Because even at Bayern Munich in his last season, I think he got no assist or one assist last season. So I was never expecting him to come in and, you know, be that that, that, that creator, that, that you know, the, the guy that's going to give you the killer pass. I was expecting him, though, 
to be the guy that, you know, keeps the ball ticking, keeps the ball um, 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 under pressure, having the ball and being able to pass it off to our wingers and being able to pass it off to the even our strikers and get uh, our striker, which I'll get onto after because I have yeah, a lot to say. Can I ask one question? I personally think that a lot of Liverpool fans had a misconception as to what Thiago actually is. Now, in terms of what Tops was saying in terms um, in regards to his defensive capabilities, I, I think that's slightly unfair. Um, in a double pivot, Thiago is probably one of the best defensive, I mean, in terms of tacklers and retrieving the ball, recovering the ball, he's one of the best in, in Europe. So his, his tackling, I mean, I think it was Dan that said it actually, sorry, sorry, Tops. Um, in terms of tackling, intercepting, um, recoveries of the ball, Thiago's clear that like, he's, he's up there incredibly. I think like in, in for Bayern Munich last season, I think he was making like, attacks. Remember that Bundesliga attacks? Yeah. yeah, of course, of course. Okay, but 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 we're just, I'm just talking about defensive, like, so just defensive actions, right? So I don't think you can add tacks in, in defensive actions. In my and the players that are coming, maybe, you know, what and, and it depends on the style of play as well. It depends on the style of play. So, do you know what I mean? I actually have to... ta- tackles, ta- tackles a game. I think he was making about eight tackles a game, hmm. um, about mm-hmm. six recoveries a game, about four or five interceptions. He was like, his numbers defensively was up there. Now, I definitely agree in terms of like Julian when you talk about assists and creativity. He is never ever been the creator. He's never been a prime creator where he's creating chance after chance. No, he is the one that makes the line breaking pass to your creative player to then open up. Yeah. Issue is, who are you passing that to? That should be that pass really should be to be to to be familiar. Um, but then, I was going I was going to say uh, to 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 your point. Um, I actually kind of have to disagree in terms okay. of his defensive contributions. I personally feel like. Especially when I actually, you know, when there was interest with him um, coming to Liverpool, I started to watch him a bit more in the Champions League. And I definitely feel like he is, like defensively, he has been quite rash in a sense where he does get on the end of a yellow card and quite early into games. Even I remember in the final against PSG, he was quite, he's quite aggressive. He's a quite an aggressive player, um, especially, um, you know, against Barcelona as well. He was quite, quite aggressive in that sense. I don't think that's his... Like in terms of his own skill set, I don't feel that feel like that should be his forte. I feel like he's been kind of forced into that role, but I don't think um, him making the tackles and you know breaking up play is something that he should be extensively used for, in my opinion. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. But moving on to the other parts of midfield, Wijnaldum at, at number six makes me absolutely sick. He is <laughs> he, he is he is such a nothing player. Yeah, in certain games, it just feels like Both the game, game passes him by. He's yeah. a very, he's a very physical. I admit he gets very physical, but when it comes to having the ball, he's he gets the ball and looks backwards straight away. Get moves forward, looks backwards. Um, Curtis Jones actually felt like was one of our brightest sparks in midfield. I, I like Curtis. Like, I like him as well. He's a good little baller. He's a good little baller. He no. carried the he carried the ball very well yesterday. Um, and I actually thought it was quite harsh that Klopp took him off so early into the game for Jonas Shakiri, who could not run for at least. 15 minutes. That guy, my God, he is a travesty. Um, I want him out this summer um, because I definitely feel like the way Klopp has been utilising Curtis Jones has been so unfair, especially, I, I, I saw this against Man City as well. He was taken off quite early into the uh, quite early into the second half and for Shakiri again, I'm like, fuck no. With, with, with the Shakiri thing, yeah, I think like, this is what I think like, with some managers, and I think Klopp has definitely fallen like, foul to this, right? Mm. 
he trusts his first team so much, he doesn't feed the other man there. He doesn't. Because Shakiri, Shakiri's motivation must be absolutely through the floor right now because he's not barely playing. When he does play, he's not sharp. So then he's just finished, bro. Like, because Shakiri used to be the type of player that buzzed about when he got to the pitch, he's buzzing around, bro. So I definitely feel like you look, at, you look at Klopp, and I think maybe Klopp's squad utilization wasn't it hasn't been good enough. Yeah, it has I mean, it hasn't to be honest. I, I actually agree with that. But with Shakiri, I've got to admit, he especially with his time at Liverpool, he's a very, you know, he's a live spark for the last 20, 20, 10, 20 to 10 minutes. He'll come on. He's technically brilliant, though. He's technically he can, he can thread a pass. He can find he can find an attacker, and you know, and you know, cr- most likely create a goal. But in a game where you're chasing and you need someone and you need a bit of energy, you need someone to come in and you need someone to you know provide the team with energy. Um, you know, get the pace up a bit. I don't think Shakiri's that guy. He's great in like a number ten role where you don't need someone to run about the pitch and you don't need someone to you know um like carry the ball as well. But once he gets the ball. He can find that pass and he's technically clear. But yesterday, and that moves me on to the attack. Mane, this season has been, he's not been good. I don't, he has a lot of credit in the bank. So I don't want to get onto players that, you know, have provided a lot for us. But Mane this season has been, he's been, he's been pretty dire. And I do feel like he's been used, he's been used quite a lot in in terms of rushing him back from when he's been injured for a couple of weeks, telling him to come back um, and then, you know, expecting, you know, him to be alive while. But even yesterday, you could see in the way that he runs, he's very lethargic. He's very, he's off the pace. And it's been, it's been a common theme from last, from, from this season um, onwards. But the main criminal that I have, I'm sorry. about Mane, because he scored midweek in the Champions League and he was furious. Like, he looks absolutely furious. He doesn't look happy. And I don't know what it is. Obviously, I might be getting my psychologist needs hat on, but he just doesn't look happy. I I don't know what it is. He just doesn't look happy this season. I think, I think Mane is a man who has who holds himself with high standards. So mm. even when there was games where you know he would score one goal, but he felt like he could have could have scored two, then top Klopp takes him off. He you know throws not throws a bit of fit, but you can tell that he's like ah, oh, I wanted to stay on. He run himself into the ground. Um, which is something that you'd want from a player, but this season it's kind of you know come back to bite him in the ass a bit. He's kind of I feel like he has, especially listen this team. As much as I do criticize them um, for their performances as of late, they have been performing for 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 long for sorry long long uh, for a long time in the season, um, especially in the Champions League, um, our first Champions League run. Long seasons we had to go for the top four. Season after, it was chasing the league up until the very last day, and in the Champions League after last season, um, it was you know playing at full playing at full throttle, chasing the league, trying to trying to chase the the, the most amount of points. But then even last season, after, after the lockdown, we uh, I've got to admit our our form has been absolutely diabolical. So these players are they are feeling a bit leggy at the moment. You know I can't they are human. It's gonna happen. So I'm not gonna get onto Mane too much for him being a bit lethargic as of as of late. But the main criminal is Mr. Roberto Firmino. And this brother, <laughs> I despise. Uh, as a number nine, I've seen gunmen play for my club. I've seen Owen. I've seen Torres. I've seen Suarez. And in that number nine role, he's an absolute travesty. Like, I, 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 like Liverpool fans love to gas him up, being this defensive striker, the, 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 the uh, quote-unquote... question, quick question, um, Julian. Yeah. Was it you who tweeted that tweet about Firmino off the cop end account? Ah, it was me, man. What do you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> it was me, man. 
It was me. You got me. You got me. You got me. Yes, it was me. Like I've been saying it for maybe what two seat two three seasons now. I've been um and a good friend and a friend of the pod, main contributor of the pod. He's been talking about Firmino and his goal contributions, but. He's been, it's been clouded by this, this, this desire to from Liverpool fans to kind of defend him because he's you know, you know, it gives you a, a couple fancy flicks, kicks people in midfield, you know, he, he defensively contributes. But I've got to say, like Firmino, as like especially the last two seasons has been an absolute travesty up front. The the no the no help um, the the help that he does not provide to Mane and Salah in terms of goals is is. This absolutely it pisses me off. It gets me so so angry. Like I see him running about in midfield. Like for example, there'll be crosses that will come in. This guy will be just trudging along at the edge of the box because he's he's been in midfield kicking shins, trying to get the ball to trying to get the ball to the to the to whoever. And ah man, like as and as of lately, he's just been just horrible. The, the thing is with this as well, yeah, is um, I feel. The biggest injury loss to your team this season has actually been um, Diogo Jota rather than wow. your your defenders, right? Because for me, I feel like when Van Dijk and Co were injured, but Jota was still fit, you were winning games. You know, you were able to rotate, you were able to bring that freshness. And, you know, I know you were saying, oh yeah, Henderson, he's missed, we're missing that control, we're missing that. Um, I don't think he's that like he's got that much ingenuity, but I'm looking at the possession in all these games, you know, um, the loss to Everton, you had 72% of the ball, mm. you know, um, the loss to Brighton, you had 64%, the loss to, um, who's the other one? Um, Leicester, you had 62% of the ball. So it's not like, you know, oh, you're not able to, you know, still keep teams pinned in, um, you know, you're still able they to- They don't want that much of the ball. But they don't want that. They, they but, don't no, want but, that. But, 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 this is what, but this is what I'm saying though, yeah, like, I think you've seen it last season where, you know, they were camped in teams' halves. Yeah, they weren't this whole, you know, gung-ho, gig-and-pressing team. But what you what you had was a firing front three who Mane, mentality monsters, as they were saying, you know, Mane, how many clutch moments did he get uh, for you last season? And, and, you know, what Klopp did, I think, to refresh that front line this season, you could see at the start, it was working. It was looking like, wow, who's going to be able to stop Liverpool? So Jota scoring bang, 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 bang. In mm. the time that he's been injured, I think that's that's when you've just fallen flat. Because for me, uh, Van Dijk and Gomez, they've been injured. Do you know what I mean? They've been injured for a long time, right? To, and to, you, to, to your point, Dan, um, yeah. well, sorry to interject, but to your point, um, the one thing I'll have to disagree with is that you can't just look at our possession and see that as control of the game. I get, I get, I get it. Um, you know, we we have we have most of the ball. You know, we keep we keep the ball well, but what you got to remember is, especially with our let's go back to our usual defense. With our usual defense, the the reason why we can keep knocking at the door, the reason why we can keep keep being confident is that our defense will be on the halfway line, and they would be you know or near enough near the halfway line, pushing up very well. They'll be allowing that. They'll be allowing the team to create. They'll be allowing you know, for example, Gomez and Van Dijk with their recovery pace, and some and also Matip as well, and with their recovery pace, will allow Fabinho to be able to push up a bit more. Who's that? Who's that? Who's, who's probably one? Uh, you know, from last season, I create our most creative midfielder. He's the one that will get the ball, bring it up more. So then, after Van Dijk and Gomez will be able to push up the pitch more, 
um, allowing Robertson and uh, Robertson and Trent to push up the pitch more as well with Henderson, with Henderson and Wijnaldum kind of covering for those for those times when they're up in the pitch more. So I definitely feel like, especially with you know Henderson um, and and Fabinho and Quebec being being uh, our main centre backs, there's that you know we we we've got to drop a couple yard we've got to drop a couple yards back. We kind of messes up the you know let's say the functional of the team. Um, we have like Liverpool at our best. We're like a cog. We're like we're like a machine with loads of cogs. Where we have, you know, our, our midfield working in a certain way. We have our defenders covering for our for our fullbacks when they're pushing up forward, and we also have Mane and Salah pushing inside the pushing inside the box more when Trent and Trent and, and Robertson are kind of playing in that winger role. And then you have Firmino, of of course, doing whatever the fuck he does in midfield or up front when when he wants to join in. So, yeah, it, it's. When you look at us on the on the surface, of course you gotta be like, yeah, you know what, you you have seven world class players, so why can't you do this? Why can't you? Why can't you? Um, why can't you get win games? You know, it's not your attack that's that's stopping you for it. Sorry, it's not your defense that's stopping you from scoring goals, which is very true. I, I, um, if you look at it on the base surface, but Liverpool I, again, as I've said, and at our best, we work like a we work like a machine. We need every part to be kind of not perfect, but in their roles, especially with players that are, you know, players playing in their roles to kind of build up that attack, to kind of build up that play. And also we're a high volume chance team. We're not going to get the one, two chances for us to get a goal because Marnie and Salah, believe it or not, not the most clinical strikers, I'm just clinical strikers of the ball. They're, they're players that need about, let's say two, three chances a game each to kind of get a goal. And as of lately, that has not been happening. They'll get maybe the one or two um, and they would miss it or maybe they might score. But the chances won't come thick and thin, uh, thick and thin as as they usually do. Yeah, I mean, uh, the any fairer than that, really, Julian. So it's a mess from um front to back. Mm. Um, just to finish up here, because yeah, almost two hours. Can't remember the last time we had a pod this long. But honestly, boys, the time's flown by with you. Um, do you see yourselves finishing in the top four this season? Uh man, you know what? Yesterday, and yeah, just as just as comment on yesterday absolutely that was probably the worst I've ever felt about a Premier League game in years I've never in my life experienced ever uh, lost to Everton at Anfield and that was the first so with games like that happening and you know there's no end in sight to our injury list I honestly do not know what is coming we've got Sheffield next away do I think we're going to win that usually I would be confident I don't know we've got Chelsea after that and then we've got Wolves at home and I don't know. I don't know. My voice is shaking, cause like <laughs> <laughs> my voice is shaking, cause I like it's it's this scary football, hours, this bro. Football thing is not easy. Yeah, it's not easy. Bro. Bro. <laughs> like, oh my god, it takes it out of the best of us, man. It's a magazine. So I would love to say that we'll finish in the top four, but I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm I'm hoping on Champions League heritage to take us through and for us to get like a a, a cheeky Champions League run. And maybe we can pick up form. You know, Fabinho can come back within the next couple of weeks. Jota is coming back in within the next couple of weeks as well. Give us a bit of a drive, but it is looking spooky. Absolutely spooky right now. Damn, it's tough, man. Are you, are you tough, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> Gonna be all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Okay, boys. Um, yeah, quite the weekend. Uh, this is going to be an interesting season, uh, unlike any other we've experienced. And I expect there to be many more twists and turns as the weeks go on. Uh, just want to take my time to thank you all. Staying late with me on a, on a Sunday evening. It is appreciated. Meads, always good to have you on, brother. Coogs. Uh, appreciate that. 
Keep doing what you're doing, bro. Next time, bring an Arsenal shirt. Yeah, that that'd be nice. No, if 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 they win the game in it, yeah, then I'll do it. Yeah. Ops, thank you, bro. Always, bro. Jules, nice one, G. Nah, man, it's cool. Keep your head up, baby boy. Yeah, I'll try, man. All right, man. <laughs> All right, boys. Bless, 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 bless. Podcast Network.